Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to Lesson 10 of our Old Testament learning series. In this lesson, we're going to learn about Abram, who is called by God. Follow along in your own Bible in chapters 12 and 13 of the book of Genesis. First, a question for you before we begin. When your parents or your teachers ask you a question, do you simply obey because you trust them? Or do you often ask them for reasons? about why you should do this or that. In this story, look for the type of obedience that Abram displays. Right away in our story, we're going to go to the region of Mesopotamia, a city called Ur, Ur of the Chaldees. And I see a group of tents there, and they're gathered together. And I think that the owner of this group of tents is very wealthy because of the number of tents and the size of the flocks and herds that are gathered around it. There must be a lot of servants to take care of all these animals. Who could possibly live here? Well, if we go and we look in one of these tents, we can see a man named Abram. He is gathered there with his wife, Sarai, his father, Terah, and his nephew, Lot. And there's a few others from his family as well. But I'm, I'm surprised. This is strange. What do I see in this tent? I see that they're bowing down before an idol. That's right. Abram, the main character in our story, at this time is worshipping a false god. At this time, Abram did not know who God was. But then, out of all the people in the world, God could have chosen anyone it pleased God to choose Abram. We call this election. That means that God has the right to choose anyone whom he desires to choose. And it pleased him here to choose Abram. The purpose of choosing Abram is so that we can honor and glorify God's grace. And so one day or night, we don't know, God appears to Abram in such a way that Abram immediately obeys God and immediately trusts him. God appears in such a way that the authority of God is completely obvious to Abram. 
And God says to Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Read the rest of it in verses two and three. This is the broad outline of a promise that is given to Abram here. And in the rest of Abram's life and in the rest of the Old Testament, we will see this promise confirmed and explained and displayed and restated over and over again with the purpose that its meaning becomes fuller and more clear. So we have a broad outline of a promise in verses 1, 2, and 3. And briefly speaking, there is a promised land. Abram is promised a land where his family is going to live. Abram is promised to be a blessing to others. He will be promised of having a great name. He, he will be known as the father of all believers. But not only this, Abram is also promised that there will be a promised seed from his family. And that is the future Messiah. And so in that way, Abram will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Abram immediately obeys. He gathers his family and he begins to move them out. The people of Ur come out of their tents. They're very confused and puzzled. Why would Abram give up all this land and move to a different land? Abram explains he doesn't know the destination, but he is convinced that the Lord God of heaven will show him the way and will show him the destination. Abram moves out in faith. They move to Haran, about 900 kilometers northwest. And after some time there, Abram's father Terah dies. And it's in Haran that Abram becomes even richer and more wealthy. They move out from Haran, and day after day passes. Abram is the rich master of this great group of animals and people that move along. He cares for them all. He has great possessions, a lot of gold and silver and animals, servants and tents. But there's one thing, this great caravan of animals and people and possessions doesn't have. And that is, there are no children of Abram and Sarai. Night after night goes by and the servants cook the meals, set up the tents. And day after day arrives, the servants pack up the tents and move along and find some new pasture and some new fresh water for the animals. The end of this journey is unknown. Abram knows for sure that God will show him. And so it's 700 kilometers later towards the southwest that they arrive at a place called Shechem, and that's in the plain of Mori. Read in Genesis 12, verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Abram is now shown the land that will be given to his children. But he looks around, and he sees no children. Abram has arrived in this promised land very quietly. There is no great parade to welcome Abram. 
No, it is going to require faith from Abram to stay in this land. You see, there are the Canaanites that already live there, and they're a very wicked people. Abram is going to be called to be a witness of the one true God to these people. He's going to be a stranger in this land. You see, Abram is being taught to look for the real inheritance of a heavenly country and not of an earthly country. After arriving in Shechem, Abram builds an altar. This is a public act of devotion and worship where he shows his trust in God and his belief in the promise that God has given him. After some time, Abram and the great caravan of people and animals moves further south. And they move further south to Bethel. And there, Abram builds a second altar. And this time, he publicly proclaims and calls upon the name of Jehovah. This is a clear witness to the Canaanites who were engaged in idol worship in the places around him. Soon it pleases God to send a famine to the country of Canaan. This is a signal to Abram that while he has the promise of God, his life will not be without difficulty. In order to find a source of food, we read in God's word that Abram moves his family to Egypt. Good for Abram for not returning to Haran, But I also don't read in God's word that Abram asked the Lord for help and advice in making the decision to move his family to Haran. And we join them in our story as they're traveling into the land of Egypt. And it's it's when they come into this land of Egypt that Abram begins to be scared. You see, Abram has been blessed with a beautiful wife. And he is fearful that the leader of Egypt... Pharaoh is going to notice his beautiful wife, take her for himself, and kill Abram. And so he comes up with a plan. He says to Sarai, just pretend that you're my sister. Don't say you're my wife. This is a stunning lack of faith on the part of Abram, because he should remember that God promised he would receive children. And so here he tries to deceive Pharaoh. You see, he was telling a half-truth because Sarai was his half-sister. But because he was lying to Pharaoh and trying to deceive him, Abram was wrong. He should have showed faith and trust in God. And sure enough, just as he feared, Sarai is taken captive by the men of Pharaoh. Abram, though, is paid very well for Sarai. Likely he is paid with gold and silver and animals and servants. We don't know exactly how, but he is made very wealthy. God is not pleased with Pharaoh for taking Sarai, and so he sends a plague upon Pharaoh. And it's very clear to Pharaoh that These plagues have come upon him because of the presence of Sarai. And so he brings Sarai back to Abram. 
And he says, why did you try to lie to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? If I knew she was your wife, I never would have taken her. He sends Abram away. Abram is sent away a very rich man. He returns to the southern desert part of the land of Canaan, a very rich and wealthy man. Eventually, they arrive again in Bethel, the second place where he built an altar to God. And there he worships again. Up until this time, Abram and Lot have been inseparable companions. But now, when they are back in the land of Canaan, very wealthy, the servants begin to argue about access to water and which pastures their animals can graze on. This is dangerous because if there is no unity or if Abram and Lot are not together, it will become easy for the enemies in that land to conquer them. Abram realizes that it's best if they separate. This will require more faith from Abram because he has an opportunity here as the oldest to be able to pick the best land. But God needs to teach Abram that it's not an earthly country that Abram is looking for, but rather it's a heavenly country. And so Abram has a choice here. He can easily avoid Canaan and pick the best land for himself, but he gives the choice to Lot. He's going to trust God instead of make plans himself. And so he comes to Lot as a peacemaker. He says, we are brothers. We need to set an example here. He says, let there be no strife between us. He gives Lot the choice. Lot, if you want to go west, I'll go east. If you want to go east, I'll go west. Abram realizes that he has the promise of God and he can trust God patiently to care for him. Lot, sadly, makes a greedy and a selfish choice. He looks west and east. He sees the Jordan River and the well-watered pastures and plains around it. The Bible says it was beautiful like the garden of the Lord. And out of selfishness and disrespect to his uncle Abram, he chooses for the better pastures, the better land. And so Abram and Lot, they leave. And after this time, then, we realize that Abram is blessed by the Lord once again. Read along in verses 14 to 16. There God comes to Abram and repeats the promise and confirms it to him that this is the land that you will receive and your family will be very large. You see, Lot took the land by what he could see and Abram is choosing by what he can believe. Abram especially is reminded here again, he will have a son. And so there we see Abram moving south again with the great procession of animals and tents and servants that he has. They move south toward Hebron. 
near the plain of Mamre. And it's in Hebron that he builds an altar again. There he thanks the Lord. He displays his trust in the Lord to care for him, his belief in the promise. What is the connection for you and I today from this story? What could we learn about that applies to our life? Well, there are a few things. The first one is, let's look for some practical applications for us. The second thing is, let's look for some clues about who God is. And the third thing we'll look at is an example of who God is not. So let's look for some practical tips first. And the first thing we can see is an example from Abram to us about how to live today. Romans 12 verse 1 speaks about Christians not being conformed to this world, but rather being transformed by the renewing of their minds. Now that's a difficult verse, but it's a good one to remember. In simple terms, it means Christians ought to be more and more holy and less and less like the world. Do not become more like the world, but become more holy. And so here we see Abram as an example of giving himself to God. It's as if he says to God, Lord, whatever thy will is for me, I will follow thee in faith. He gives his life to God to use as God sees best. The next thing we see is that Abram is going to be a witness to others. And we ought also to be. The second thing that we're going to look at is a few clues about what we can learn about who God is. And the first one we can see is that God is love. Now that is a simple sentence, but it is a very deep statement. In fact, it is the deepest possible expression of the character of God. God loves as a father and a husband. His love is eternal. It's holy. It is overwhelming and just. God himself is love. We can read that in 1 John 4, verse 8. There it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. We can see God's love in his choosing of Abram out of all the others and blessing him. The second thing we can learn about God's character is that he is sovereign like a king. He chose Abram. Abram was part of his creation and God as a king is able to do with his creation as he pleases. Another thing we can learn about God is that he is righteous. His promise that he once made will never be broken. It will stand forever. His righteousness shows that he is like a king. You can read that in Psalm 71 verse 19. There the psalmist says, Thy righteousness... Also, O God, is very high. Who has done great things, O God, who is like unto thee? 
We can also see that God is active in history, especially in Israel's history at this time. He calls Abram and he begins to form them as a people and as a future nation of Israel. And especially we see that God is a blessing God. All of the material and spiritual blessings that Abram received, they all came from God. All of these blessings will continue and then they will climax and be fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can read that in Galatians 3, verse 29. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abram's seed, and heirs according to the promise. There is a key truth here, and that is that Abram is the father of all believers. This is repeated over and over throughout the New Testament. God teaches us also through Abram's story here that we cannot be saved through our own planning. Just think about his failure in Egypt and his success in Canaan. We can also see in the third place who God is not. Let's go with Abram to Egypt when he begins to plan and scheme and deceive Pharaoh. There he was attempting to lie and trick Pharaoh to mislead him. And and that is the exact opposite of who God is. Read in 1 Peter 2, verse 22, where the Lord Jesus did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So while Abram tried to deceive Pharaoh, we are reminded that God cannot be deceived. The psalmist sings in Psalm 139, verse 10, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. We also have a, not a very good picture of our own heart in that we are deceivers. Our heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful above all things. You can read that in Jeremiah 17. And so there is an example of who God is not. God is not deceitful. God is true and trustworthy. He is perfectly consistent with his characteristics. And all of these are displayed perfectly in Jesus Christ. All of the characteristics of God are perfectly displayed in his Son. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, verse 6. In fact, the gospel is based precisely upon the trustworthiness and the truthfulness of God. That is at the base of this covenant promise to Abram. God can be trusted completely. In conclusion, in this lesson, we have seen that God has called Abram and given him a great and a precious promise. Abram is called to show faith and to trust and to wait for God to fulfill this promise. In our next lesson, we're going to see a very special way in which Abram rescues Lot.